0: Meltdown. The Fury theory, theory starts right now. The Fury Theory podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. I'm joined by Michelle Lieber. Michelle is the president of Bluepoint DC, and she is a master strategist on how to navigate the worlds between corporate America and Washington D.C. We're great to have her from her remote location. We are doing this a remote interview, um, practicing extreme social distancing, which I think is fantastic. Uh, Michelle, you worked uh, for GMAC during the 2008 financial crisis, so you have some great experience when talking about corporate meltdowns. What did you learn during that process, and how does what we are seeing now differ from then?
1: Thanks, John, and thanks for having me um, on this podcast today. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to get people to understand where we are, what we've seen, and where we're going. From my perspective, this is very different than the financial crisis in 08, although I don't want to denigrate uh, the financial crisis. There were a lot of people that lost their homes, but it was an underlying credit crisis. What we're seeing today is completely different. What we're seeing today is a global pandemic. For government to be able to solve this, we first have to understand the problem. We have to understand the health crisis that we're dealing with. People are dying. People are getting sick all over the world. And that in turn is leading to record levels of unemployment. I think I saw today um, that 6.64 people filed for unemployment. Uh, We are not even at the bottom yet. We're also seeing our 401ks Uh, that we watch pretty regularly going down. We're seeing the stock market um, having a significant roller coaster. And frankly, I have to say, the regulators, the legislators are all pulling together from safe distances, and they're working remotely to try and figure out how to stem this crisis. What we're seeing that's a little bit different is the regulators have tools available Obviously, the um, Congress can appropriate money, but we don't know how much it's going to take because we haven't even seen the end. So it's kind of like everybody's putting their finger in the dike and other crises are popping up
0: along the way. Michelle, I, you know, I've seen some meltdowns in my time in Washington. I worked for the Republican leadership and when 9-11 hit, I was on MSNBC at the exact moment when the tarp, first TARP vote went down. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Um, but, you know, to your point, COVID-19 is a completely different kettle of fish. Um, it's the slow moving crisis. It's the fact that it's a global crisis. Uh, it's hitting everybody everywhere. As you pointed out, unemployment is going to be shooting through the roof. We're not sure if this is going to be temporary or if this is going to be uh, more permanent. Um, what are you advising your clients right now?
1: One of the things that I'm seeing with my clients is unprecedented closures of business. So we've been told to basically stop travel, to stay in our homes, to not go to businesses, to local businesses. Restaurants that we know and love in our communities are facing unprecedented losses. And these are businesses, hotels, restaurants, the travel industry in general. These aren't high-profit businesses in a downturn. And so frankly, they don't have cash on hand. They don't have extra resources available. So they really need help to be able to stay open. When we start seeing local restaurants close down, that is going to be significant for all of us. And it's going to hit us very hard. We also, hotels went from probably one of the best times, you know, it's the travel season, 90% bookings down to some, in many cases, zero. And um, we're not traveling for business. We're not traveling for pleasure. And so I think that we are going to have to really um, work hard to make sure that uh, that we are able to articulate what the level of distress is to members of Congress, to staff, because government is going to have to be able to fix this and also the health crisis that is happening at the exact same time.
0: Uh, I remember when I was uh, working for Bob Michael in the uh, early 1990s and the invasion of Iraq happened. Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. You could see the storm clouds happen. People were getting ready for it. I mean, there was a long pause, but eventually uh, George H.W. Bush assembled a a global group to attack Saddam Hussein and expel him from Kuwait. Everyone kind of knew it was coming. The thing about this pandemic – Nobody knew it was coming. I mean, you know, we, we, we all kind of knew it in a theory that it was that it was possible, but how quickly it happened. I mean, we were talking here three weeks ago, and it was, you know, we were expecting a pretty good time. And to your point, I have some very good friends who own restaurants, and I've done the best I could to uh, help them by going to the restaurants. Um, but it's really, really tragic. Uh, were your clients surprised by this as much as I was?
1: Absolutely. Across the board, people were surprised by the level of business shutdown, business closure. I've never heard of social distancing, nor have my clients. And frankly, they are dealing with it now. They're trying to also be a part of the solution. So, in addition to losing their significant amount of their business and their and their capital, uh, they're also trying to say, okay, what can we do to work together? Um, I have clients who are trying to help get. Um, small businesses in the door uh, to the SBA Treasury Program and help them navigate the process, because that is going to be a very difficult process to navigate. And frankly, banks are concerned about the risk while the regulators are being incredibly helpful and utilizing the tools they have available. There's a lot of risk to doing things with customers you don't know and have never had an experience with, to um, really changing uh, your business model, and, and to see whether or not the government guarantee is actually even going to be there at the end of all of this, because we don't know when the end is going to happen.
0: You know, it's interesting you say Like We I have we have clients at EFB that are really, really worried about their clients. And those are small businesses. Uh, and, you know, they're going to bat for these small businesses because small business is kind of the backbone of America. And they help fund or help they're they're clients that a lot of our our, our clients. Uh, so it's a, a it's a really amazing time to see big business trying to go to bat for small business. And to your point, you know the banks don't know you know who who's credit worthy and who's not. And there's this demand really to mitigate this as quickly as possible. You know, uh, talking about the politics of this, Michelle. After nine eleven, you know there when, when I worked for the speaker, there was a great coming together: Republicans, Democrats. They. Even for a period of about six months, there was this great period of bipartisanship. You don't really see that here uh, as much as you did back then. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the financial crisis and then one of the things about the tarp going down I means Republicans voted against their own president uh, what do you what do you How do you see this
1: yeah, I mean, I think social distancing happens there as well. So I heard the speaker talking about how even when they were doing a bill signing for the $2.2 trillion bill they recently signed, they had to stand six feet apart. There's no remote voting in the Senate. So that's going to be a real challenge. And i frankly don't believe that $2.2 trillion is going to solve this crisis. So they're going to have to come together. I think that they're a little bit far apart. I was talking with a Republican staffer the other day who said $2.2 trillion was really hard for my boss to vote for, but he knew he had to do it. I don't know that we're going to be able to get a consensus going forward on how we solve kind of fit what they're calling phase four. And so I think that everybody has their list of priorities. They're hearing from all of their constituents. There are folks in the gig economy who've never, ever had to file for unemployment, who are rec- at rec- in record numbers filing for unemployment. And so I think that as we go forward, there's going to have to be some level of a meeting of the minds because everybody wants to solve problems but I do agree it's a very polarizing very partisan time and fundamentally uh, the 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 perspective is very different because we can't sit down in a room together and hash these things out
0: it's really interesting you point that uh, point that out um, you know miss McConnell has been putting the brakes on on stimulus four I think that's natural for him because he's always worried about lots of money going out the door you know Money's no object, apparently. Apparently, money doesn't matter anymore, but it, it does matter a little bit. And to your point about the Federal Reserve, they're being very, very aggressive in trying to get as much capital in the economy as possible, aren't they?
1: They are. Treasury, too. Treasury has been really solving for a lot of the problems. The White House, there are staff at the White House right now in the NEC that are working day and night to try and figure out how to bring everybody together. SBA doesn't have... The facilities or the mechanism in place to handle this level of requests that they're going to have for small business lending. And so they've really kind of come up with a different solution. I'm told that they've hired Amazon Web Services to back up their systems because they know they don't have the capabilities. Treasury's working hard to come up with a program that's workable. Um, But this is phase one of that effort phase four, uh, we're moving into now for the congressional effort. And I do think that there's really going to be a lot of challenges. The other issue that we haven't seen yet, too, that I wanted to bring up is insurance, because I do believe that fi- folks are going to be filing c- claims. I understand that there's really no definition in the law of um, pandemic that I've been able to find. Um, they did they did define COVID-19 uh, in this, this last uh, package, the CARES Act. But um, I'm concerned that insurers are not going to really have the impetus to be able to to handle all the claims that are coming in or the wherewithal to do so. And um, I do know that there are some policies that have um, uh, the terminology um, uh, communicable disease, but that's not going to apply in this case. That's more for much smaller uh, manageable uh, epidemics or or diseases. So I really do think that they're going to have to come up with a new way of handling insurance claims going forward and then also uh, all the small business claims.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned gig economy because we use a lot of friends of EFB through the gig economy and they are hurting. And, you know, it's one of those things where how do you get unemployment if you're not, if if you're not your boss fired you, but you're Your client fired you, and this is a real – I think this is something that we're – one of the great advantages of the gig economy is that people have a lot of personal freedom. One of the disadvantages is they don't have a lot of security and stability, and I think that's something that the government's got to really understand.
1: Yeah, and for the first time in this bill, they actually allow for um, self-employed and part-time workers to be able to file for unemployment. So that'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out longer term. Um, Of course, you know if there are folks out there who have a small business who need information on how to navigate the process, we can help with that. I think that there are some tools available immediately, but I do think they're figuring this out as they go. And they've done an amazing job, but they had four days
0: to put that bill together. Four days. So what other advice would you give our listeners on how to manage this kind of unexpected disruption? And how do you move beyond uh, justifiable fear to advocate for meaningful and helpful solutions?
1: Unfortunately, we're learning as we go. But I do think that we can take some critical lessons from this. I think our society is going to be a lot different going forward. I hope that we repair, we move on and, and we take the good, uh, but we put some things in place. We've never seen this level of distress. Um, you know, I, I'm concerned about... Um, the, the mortgage market. I'm concerned about the secondary market for um, securitizations of auto loans and mortgages. And so I think, you know, we really have to kind of anticipate as best we can and then prepare for the longer term. This is going to be several months before we really see any type of resolution.
0: Michelle, thank you so much. At EFB, we like to call ourselves essential for business. Um, and I'm really glad that you have been able to do this from a remote location, and hopefully we will do this more in the future.
1: Thank you so much.